Well, you were handed uh, a worship guide when you came in, and I don't know which, I don't know where you're going to write. I don't know what I was thinking. I looked on the back of that thing. As a matter of fact, I had a hard time trying to make a couple little notes on mine because it's like, I don't know where you're going to write it, and, and, and we got this really cool colored deal, but it's like, hey, good luck. Bring a journal next week. I don't know. And, uh, but uh, hey, just write in your Bible. Man, I, I've done that. I've been in meetings and just turned to some blank pages and started filling them up and fill those up go get a new Bible. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we are doing a study as a faith community on the uh, book of Ruth. Uh, it's over there right by the book of Judges, just a little small book, four chapters, Hundred and is it eighty verses or hundred and twenty? I just went blank. Anybody remember? Eighty, about eighty verses, not very long, and you can read it in a short sitting. And uh, I just hope that we're starting this morning. So the fourth study we'll finish next weekend, chapter four. Today is chapter three. So if you got a copy of the scriptures, want to look on with somebody, uh, it's chapter three in the book of Ruth, and uh, we want to call this redeeming hope through community. And, and what that means to us is a body of faith. So people are uh, passing the baskets or getting there to you, and we're just going to jump in this thing together. Now, there's four words that I want you to write at the very top. I, I, I know you get these words in there. I'm going to give you kind of a, a 4W approach outline to the book of Ruth. Okay, Here, here's the four W's. Number one, it's all about weeping. In chapter one, we see the weeping. The, the, the Elimelech and, and his boys, they're dead. People have died, so there's weeping in chapter 1. Right now, weeping. Chapter 2, you see working. There's, there's working of Ruth. She goes out into the field of Boaz, and she begins to work, and she's a diligent, she's a fervent worker. We talked about the principle of work and how important that is to the Lord. And then in the third chapter, as we get there today, it's all about waiting. Man, Ruth learns that Boaz is a little slow. It takes him a little while, and and uh, she waits on Boaz, and she, so she waits, and waiting's good for us, and we can understand that a lesson for us. And then next weekend, on the last message, it's about the wedding. Ruth and Boaz are going to get married next week. Isn't that cool? Like, oh, hallelujah, about time, you know. So next week they'll get married. So those are kind of the four W's. I just kind of want to throw that out and see if that kind of helps you. This morning, as I talk about hope through community, there... Uh, you know, we tend, if we're not careful, we tend to cocoon in the church. We, we tend to kind of pull in. We, we tend to nest. And, uh, and some of us don't. Some of us do. But if we're not careful, we get isolated. We, we try to walk this Christian life out on our own. We try to do it by ourselves. And I don't know how that's working for you. Probably not real well. You always talk, hear me talk about when we name the church, Christ aloneness. Christ cocoon church. No. Christ what? Community church. We want to be in community. And God's called us not to isolate. He's called us to live in biblical parameters with, with other friends, people that have uh, similar convictions, and, and, and they have time for one another. So this morning, redeeming hope through community. There's a, there's a community of, of faith there that we see there in the book of Ruth. And, and Ruth, you know, she's a Moabite. And she's from a foreign land. They worship false gods, as we've talked about in past weeks. And uh, it's kind of a and she comes to know the God of her mother-in-law. She comes to know Jehovah. She comes to know the true God, and she loves Him and she follows Him. Matter of fact, at one point, she's I think she's got stronger faith. Or maybe a lot of times she's got stronger faith than her mother-in-law Naomi, and, and her you know her her uh, her sister-in-law you know Orpah. She just she just runs home you know and she goes hey I'm going back to the foreign land. Everybody's dead. Nothing for me. But not Ruth. Ruth's gonna 
go where Naomi does. Naomi's God's going to be her God, and she's going to be faithful. So we pick up there. So they, they have no sons. And, and let me just point this out. In that day, there wasn't a federal government. There wasn't Social Security. There wasn't disability. She didn't have that. If, if, you had, if you had a husband, that was kind of your meal ticket. And if you had sons, that was kind of your retirement, your Social Security. She didn't have any of that. And I hate this because I don't like how they treated women in, in that society. And, uh, but women weren't seen, they weren't esteemed as we esteem women. And, and uh, so she didn't have anybody to care for, but she had a, she had a mother-in-law. And then we find in Scripture she meets this guy named Boaz. And man, he decides he's going to take care of her. So uh, this wicked woman... Uh, you know, they, they're utterly hopeless over there in chapter 1, chapter 2. But man, things are starting to build, trying to, trying to build it up. The, the commitment of Ruth, this girl from Moab, she, she learns to trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She just becomes a world-class believer, and I, I like it. So let's, let's get ready to fill in some notes and see what we can do together. Number one, ready? We should learn from the wise in our community. I think that Ruth had some wise people in her life. Naomi was certainly one, and there were others, and there were some uh, faith people around her back when they were in, uh, maybe not Moab, but when they, they'd come back into Judah, they'd come back into Bethlehem, and she learns. And I, I just got a practical question, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be diving in and out of this story, talking about hope through community, and I'm going to be trying to walk you through chapter 3. But I want to get you to think about this question. Who are the wise in your community? Who are the people that that add value to your life? Who are the people that strengthen you? They, they push you. They, they spur you on in the riches of Christ. If you don't have those people, find some new friends. Get them. Seek them out. Spend time with them. You know? I mean, yesterday, Robbie Robinson has, uh, did our discipleship, as Blake talked about. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. We did student ministry back in the 80s and 90s together in uh, it makes us old, doesn't it? But anyway, and, uh, and uh, so we had a lot of fun. And yesterday we spent about three hours together just kind of reconnecting and talking about the goodness of God, what he was doing in the church, what he's doing in ministry. And so you seek those kind of people out. But this is kind of a, a tough situation here in this thing. And, and Naomi says that, uh, hey, there, there's this guy. He's a kinsman redeemer. I'm going to break all that down for you a little bit. And says, uh, he, he's a good guy. He's one of us. He's, he's a relative. And... Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, you got you got E Harmony, and you got Christian Mingle, and you got Naomi. She's a matchmaker. Did anybody see that in there besides me? Naomi's a matchmaker. Just call Naomi, and she'll hook you up. Well, I'm glad I got a few of you thought it was funny. I thought it was kind of funny anyway. So anyway, so um, let's fill in this blank. Counsel can be provided by non-professionals. Now, this is a this is a practical thing here. Uh, sometimes we need to go to counseling. And sometimes we go to counseling with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and they listen. They listen well. They speak into our life, and they listen. I'm a pastoral counselor, and that's not my favorite thing to do. I, I love it. I love the people. But to do it long term, that's just not my strength. Because uh, y'all probably learned this. I'm quick of tongue. I like to talk. And you get in a real deep session, I'll sit on my hands a little bit, you know. That's so I can't talk. got to listen to you. This morning, we took some people into 101 and got some people that are extroverts. We got some that are a little shyer than me. And they, man, I'm like a, you know, I, I get kind of scared. I'm like a fire hydrant. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of, you know, it just spews out. It's just who I am, you know, just big mouth, you know. And like already, I'm saying, Ramsey, talk to Pop. Tell him you love him. You know, hey, you know, I got to give her a little time. You know, she's just, just a few days old, but it, it'll come. 
Y'all think I'm pumped now? You wait until she says that blessed word called pop one day. Then the girls got the form. Okay, here we go. But counseling can be provided by non-professionals as well as professionals. When I talk about counseling, I think everybody needs counseling sometimes. The church said, it's arrogance to think you don't need people. He used to sit right there. He was my good friend, Dr. John Mark Trent. He wasn't just a member of this church. I just wasn't his pastor. He was my counselor. I went to him, and I talked to him sometimes. I'd bear my soul. I love that man. He told me one day, I remember I was hurting, and Donna thought, baby, you, you need to go see somebody. <laughs> I said, hey, I'm going to go see John Mark. We got through talking, he says, and that's why I'm not a pastor today, and I love you, and he hugged me. Because <laughs> he knew, hey, sheep are awesome. And sheep can be tough, and, and your situations can be good, and your situations can be tough. But sometimes you just need to find some professionals and some non-professionals in here. In here, there's, you don't have to have a Ph.D. in clinical psychology to be a helper to your church. Sometimes they're just people, man, they just got God. Man, that's enough. And they got wisdom, and they got precepts, and they got, they got things that, that they can share with somebody. So chapter 2 ends, chapter 3 picks up. Hope begins to rise up in Naomi. She begins to see the things of the kingdom in uh, chapter three look there in verse one it says one day naomi said to ruth my daughter it's time that i found a permanent home for you in other words she says hey e-harmony hadn't been discovered but i'm gonna help you woman you need a man you, you know and i think i think ruth is getting her act together i think ruth cares or naomi cares but i also think she's thinking we need somebody to take care of us <laughs> you know there, there's prosperity back here in israel and judah but we need a man. And, and she, she knows about Boaz, and she begins to. And, and so she says, be settled. Be settled, woman. Uh, follow my advice. And, and fill this in. Counsel should be rooted in Scripture. Godly counsel should always be rooted in Scripture. When people share with you, they can share truth, and truth is truth, and God validates truth. But ultimate truth comes from God's holy word. Would you agree with me, church? And people need to share not their opinion so much as they do the hope of God, the hope of Scripture. And in, in, in verse 2, look at it here. It says, Boaz is a close relative of ours. He's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. And, and uh, so, you know, they're, they're, you know, let me tell you about this threshing floor. It's just a barn. Hey, Boaz is down there in the barn, okay? And there's other men down there in the barn. They've been out there. There's been harvest time. They've, they've finished this seven weeks or however long it was. And the harvest is complete, and they're just a bunch of men down there in, in, in no barley field, in the barley grain. They're, they're just down there in the barn, and we're going we're gonna to pick up, and we're going to begin to go through this. Now, look at it with me now, verse 3. Now, do as I tell you. Isn't it just like a mother-in-law? Now, do as I tell you. Well, my mother-in-law's up there here today, so I can talk about that. No, no, she's so sweet. She just loves me in spite of me. Oh, don't say amen. Okay, here we go. Now, do as I tell you, Ruth. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Here's a tip. You know how I've been giving you all those tips every week? Here's a tip. Take a bath. Who wants to go out with anybody stinking? And then she says, now, Ruth, I want you to put on some of that Moabite madness. That's a good perfume. <laughs> That's what it says in the Hebrew. I've been doing a lot of study. No, I just really pushed the envelope on that one. But anyway, but it, she, she does say, look. You've been out in the field, you've been working hard, you, you know, you ain't looking your best. Hey, girls, can we just be so honest? 
do, do y'all agree? Don't, don't you look a lot better after you get in front of a mirror and you put, put your hair and put a little lipstick on, put a little, put a little makeup on, do your little thing? To, don't, and you maybe do a little something to your hair. Do you, do you, do you feel a little better? Do you, do you girls? And, and, and guys, are you grateful? A bunch of wimps. Like, hey, hey, I ain't saying nothing. Hey, man. If she don't put her makeup on, she's still good looking. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. But, but you know, trying to help the cause. We, we, we're trying to mingle. We, we, we're trying to get them together, you know? So let, let, let's move on down here. So it says counsel here should be rooted. And so uh, I want you to write down a side note. Because when I'm fixing to read, it, man, I've read more commentaries. I've read this over and over, and I've studied it. And 21st century world wants to make this seductive and sexual and sensual. And I don't think it is. If you knew anything about, you know, in, in, in this 1200 B.C. period, it was, it, that's not what it is. And it talks about, you know, hey, just, just watch. Just put on your best clothes. Just uh, be, I want you to write down this comment. Be, make yourself attractive, not seductive. Make yourself attractive. Present yourself. Be your best. But don't be seductive. Women, do you know the difference? Yeah, you know the difference. If you don't, you need to. And men, you know the difference. Like, well, yeah, yeah, you know. And I also think she said, hey, now, Ruth, quit dressing like a widow. <laughs> but she also ain't saying, hey, now, Ruth, get out there and flaunt it. That's not what she's saying. Now, women know the difference. Men know the difference. But clothing in Hebrew means there's a heavy mantle to shield the persona of the individual that they might dress themselves for marriage. Guys, I've been studying this so much in, a, in, in where I think some people have tried to take us for years. I don't really see it. So we'll just try to break it down. The Eastern custom here is not sexual. It's, a, it's, it's to show restraint. It's to show majesty. It's to show honor. I already told you, Ruth is a what? A believer. Ruth has come to know God. Ruth loves God. Boaz loves God. Boaz leaks or Christ leaks out, or the foreshadow of Christ, God just comes out of Boaz. So, it, so it's a beautiful thing. Now let, let's move on down here. I'm setting you up, but let's go. She says, and then go to the threshing floor, go down to the barn, but don't let Boaz see you until he's finished eating and drinking. Now, there's a principle here, girls. Don't mess with a boy when he's eating. And all the guys said, Pastor, I like that. I mean, boys, we need to finish, don't we, guys? All right, well, leave me hanging. I appreciate it, man. Bless you. I'm going to see my granddaughter. She ain't leaving me hanging. All right, here we go. All right, so, verse 4. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Now, this is where everybody gets all crazy. Then go over and uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. Now, at this point right here, guys, there ain't no nightlights in the barn, okay? And, 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 and these, these guys that have been out harvesting, they're out in the field, and they go in, they lay down. And it says, now, I, I got to tell you, I don't... I don't I don't really like Naomi's plan. I mean, it's a, it's a little weird the more you think about it, okay? But she's saying, now you, you, we need to connect y'all, and you need to go down there, and, but you need to know where that boy lies because you don't want to go live next to the wrong guy. I mean, that just ain't going to be good. So, you know, I'm thinking, hey, you know, she didn't have a flashlight. She didn't have her phone to go down there and look. So, so things are looking better, and she's telling her now, but notice where he lies down, and then uncover his feet. Now, I got to tell you, every time I read that, that's just weird. Can, can everybody just say weird? Just say weird. It is, like... Now, but, but think about it. You uncover your feet, it will startle you, won't it? All right, let, let me help y'all. Some of y'all being too whatever. All right. Have you ever been startled or awoken at night and you were disoriented? Raise your hand. And you didn't know where you were? 
And then you didn't even know who the person in the bed next to you was. Now, I ain't talking about you've been drinking. You're just, you're just, you're just oriented, and you, woke, and you woke up, and you're just, you're just kind of a fog. Oh, Boaz, man, I think he's a little cold, man. She uncovers the boy's feet, and he starts to who are you? There ain't no light there. He doesn't know. He says, hey, well, I'm Ruth. Oh, oh. And everybody wants to make it out all sexual. But, and I, I meant to tell you, I hope you don't have your kids in here today. But if you do, y'all are going to have fun this afternoon. But, but here's here. But God's trying to say here in verse 4, this is not a night of pleasure. This is a night of honor. Write it down. This is a night of honor. Boaz honors Ruth. And I know that because I'm going to show you in the scripture in just a minute. Feel in this. Counsel should be followed. We need to follow counsel when we're trying to build community and redeem and hope through community. And Ruth just follows the advice of her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi's not led her astray. Naomi's been a good source of truth and leadership in her life. And, and, and she says, well, I'll do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor. And she did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Uh, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Did exactly. She didn't just ignore. Sometimes in counseling, this will frustrate a preacher or a counselor more than anything. Tell somebody what to do and they don't do it. They ignore you. They just go off. Sometimes, as a pastor, I give you God's word. What a sacred honor that is. And I tell you, these are the oracles. These are the truths of God. Do this and you'll be blessed. But you ignore them. Well, it's a little frustrating. And not a lot I can do about it except just be faithful. Keep giving God's word. Let the Holy Spirit work and, and he'll go. But now, if I was a professor, Dr. Keith, and you didn't do what I prescribed to you on Sunday morning, I got something for you. I flunk you. Now, I'm not flunking any congregants, so don't, don't worry. Okay, we, we, we can't do that. But, uh, but she says here, listen, listen to your mother-in-law. Hey, guys, somehow ought to write that down. Listen to my mother-in-law. That's what, that's what she demonstrates here. And here's what I, I put a sideline. Listen to the godly. Listen to the godly counsel that comes into your life. There are God-fearing people God has put in your life, and you know who they are if you don't identify some. And they'll speak truth. And in verse 7, after Boaz had finished eating, here he is, the boy's been eating, Bo's been eating, he's full and drinking, nays in good spirits. He lay down far in the pile of grain, went to sleep. I mean, have you thought about it? This is like a men's retreat at Christ's community, the snoring going on in the barn. Can you imagine? I, I thought that was funny anyway. You've never been on a men's retreat. If you have, I mean, it's always a little scary when you walk in there going, is this the snoring cabin or is this the other one? Like, it, and you want to know. Believe me, you want to know. You know I, so Ruth came quietly. She uncovered his feet, laid down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly wakes up. He turns over. He's surprised as we talk, finds a woman lying at his feet. Who are, who are you? Well, you know, hey, I'm, I'm Ruth. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Now, all this is described in Scripture for me and you. But it's not necessarily what God prescribes for us. It's, it's this story. And, uh, you know, nobody would tell your daughter to do this story right here, would you? Hello, dads, would you tell your daughter to do this right here? Well, I read it in Scripture. It's, it's described. It's a description of a story. It's not a prescription for our life. Let me tell you what Scripture says. Abstain from the appearance of all evil. Write that down. Just abstain from evil. Run from it. In verse 8, you know, Boaz is startled and he's woken up. He's all disoriented. Look at point 2. We should accept godly kindness from our community. Now, Ruth accepts the kindness. Do you not see a theme? It's been about the kindness of Boaz. The kindness of Ruth. 
Kindness is all through this book as it begins to shape our life and speak into us. And yet, uh, here in verse 9, and it's, it's starting to get kind of interesting. I'm going to come back to Family Redeemer. Uh, she, she tells her here, Who are you? I'm your servant Ruth. Spread the corner of your covering. I am your Family Redeemer. So there's this dialogue in the darkness. And, and basically, uh, what she does, Ruth proposes to Boaz. She says, hey, you know, I want to know if you'll marry me. I, I want to know if you'll be my family redeemer. Now, some of you understand this because you're older and, and you'll understand it. And then some, uh, have you ever heard of a Sadie Hawkins dance? Yeah, oh, you have. Do, do they still do them? Probably not. A Sadie Hawkins dance, I think it was created about the 30s, and basically it was a situation where the girl asked the boy to the dance. Well, in this situation, and it wasn't so uncommon, she asked Boaz, would you be my kinsman redeemer? Would you be my family redeemer? She's a, you know what I learned about Ruth? Ruth's a strong woman. Ruth's a confident woman. She, she goes for the big ask. And in verse 10, it says, The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaims. You're showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have gone after a younger man, which is whether rich or poor. Ruth goes for a young man. I mean, she goes for an old man here. She goes for a guy that's, I don't know how much older he is, but uh, Boaz is a kind man. He's a godly man. He's a man full of character. Uh, he's, a, he's a spiritual leader in the community. And, and she's attracted to that. And and he, he's a relative, and the whole, and the whole life of, of Boaz just screams the kindness of God. In verse 11, you just see that it says, uh, Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a, I don't want you to underline it, you are a virtuous woman. That's why I don't think this is some big sexual content. I think Boaz says, Ruth, you're a Proverb 31 woman. Ruth, you're a woman of noble character. You're a woman that loves God. You're a woman that has great virtue and honor. And, uh, and I'm not going to take advantage of you. And, and I, think, I think the story here in Ruth speaks of, it, speaks of integrity and it speaks of honor. And Boaz guards her reputation. Just write somewhere, Boaz is a protector. He guards himself. He, he guards Ruth. And, and, and he didn't want her to have a shame brought to her. And uh, so let's look here. We'll see. In verse 12, but while it's true that I'm one of your family redeemers, there's another man who's more closely related to you than I am. So he's a man of honor. He's realizing there's somebody that has even a more of a claim. Because in that day, if you, if you died, you know, your, your, your brother-in-law, he, he had a responsibility to marry you to, to carry on the name here. And there's another man, he's, uh, verse 13, stay here tonight and in the morning I will talk to him. And if he's willing to redeem you, very well, but let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down there until the morning. So Ruth lies there at his feet. Now look at verse 14. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a, a woman was here at the threshing floor. Now he, he's trying to protect her. Can you imagine? There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of men down here at the barn, guys. And he, he loves Ruth. He, he honors Ruth. and He's protecting her. I, mean, I, I love it. Hey, hey, guys, has God called us to be protector of our marriage covenants? Guys, has God called us to be protectors of our marriage covenant? Yes. He's called us to protect our families. And man, that's what Boaz does. He's a, he's a great protector. 
I want you to fill in the blank. We should express our needs. You know, Ruth expresses she's got a need for a kinsman redeemer. She needs a family redeemer, and it's Boaz. And uh, she, you know, she's, a, she's not a moocher. She just clearly expresses, this is my need. She calls upon God. She calls upon Boaz. There's, there's no hinting here. She's just, she's just direct. Um, I read this thing about D.L. Moody. I liked it. He talked about raising support. He was a great, uh, a lot of different missionaries and great movements of God, but D.L. Moody, Moody Institute in Chicago. He, he had this statement. He goes, we don't hint when we raise support. Talking about missionaries. He says, uh, we ask, I ask with confidence and boldness, and then I trust that God will put it on their heart to give. You know, I'm just telling you, over the years, we've uh, supported many missionaries from here to Africa, China, wherever, Mexico. And sometimes God will put it in our heart that we'll respond, and I hope we'll respond according, we'll be a protector. But let's talk about this kinsman redeemer. I just want you to fill fill it in. You might have to jump down there. And it it just says kinsman redeemer. What does it mean? It basically means that there's a, a blood relative. Write this in. It's a blood relative who has allowed you or has who was allowed to buy back that which was tragically lost it means a blood relative who was allowed to buy back that which was tragically lost it could have been a loss of uh, freedom it could have been a loss of justice it could have been a loss of land and and if you had land it meant you had some income it meant you were at a better place so it asked to be a uh, a kinsman redeemer there's two Old Testament practices. One is the Leverite, and it means it's the, it comes from the word. It's translated lever from Hebrew, and it means brother-in-law. And it means you're required that your brother-in-law would take you uh, to be your wife. Now we we don't, we don't follow this anymore. Some of you are like, well, praise God, I don't want to marry my brother-in-law. Okay, well that's another story. Go go see a counselor if you get hung up. I, I, that's not what I'm trying to say. But you look at Deuteronomy 25 and following verses. And, and basically, they didn't marry outside the family. They, w- they would marry their brother-in-law, and he had a responsibility to his family, and they were able to buy back. But in this situation, Boaz doesn't have a mandate. He, he's a relative, but he's not the brother-in-law, so he doesn't have to purchase Ruth. But he loves Ruth. Matter of fact, in a minute, you're going to see he's like, well, look, there's somebody closer. But hey, if this guy doesn't take you, I want you. I'm still... You see, Boaz... Boaz is still kind of freaking out, guys. He's kind of marveling. This young woman wants me. I'm older. Why does she want me? You know why I think Ruth wants Boaz? Because Boaz has got so much character. He's a man of character. He's a man of truth. He's he's a man of spirituality. Then there's a second term in Old Testament practices. It's kinsman redeemer. And it comes from the Hebrew word goel. It means to recover. It means to redeem something. And, And she needs to be redeemed. It's a foreshadow of Christ. Boaz is just simply a foreshadowing of who Jesus is. Jesus came to redeem us from our sin. He came to purchase us by his precious blood. And and he came to purchase this woman. If you look at Leviticus chapter 25, verses 25 to 28, listen to this. If one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they've sold. And if, however, there is no one to redeem it for them, but later on they prosper and acquire sufficient means to redeem it themselves, they are to determine the value for the years since they sold it, refund the balance to the one whom they sold it, and they can then go back to their own property. But if they did not acquire the means to repay, what was sold will remain in the possession of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. Now, it will be returned in Jubilee, and they can then go back to their property. That's another thing I'll talk about one day. 
How many of you wish we still had Jubilee? You don't understand Jubilee. Every seventh year, debt was retired. Debt was. How many of you would like to be paying on your house and in the seventh year, just all the debt went away? How many would sign up for that? Yeah, yeah, see, I got your attention now. All right, you, you know, somebody will say, yeah, I got this thing figured out. I'll go buy the best car they got on the market and I'll suck it up and pay it for one year and Jubilee, Jubilee, own it. Well, okay, we, we don't live in that day, okay. So there's a responsibility here to reclaim, to redeem. And, and Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. And you can, we, we do studies on it for hours, but let's fill it in. We must allow the godly to give. We're talking about biblical community, redeeming through community, and we have to allow people to give. Boaz is a giver. Ruth is a giver. We should be givers. But there's something interesting I thought about as I looked at this. So Boaz gives her this extra barley. I mean, this woman, she's always getting extra gifts. She, she has nothing, and then she has an abundance. Here again, she gets, you know, they say it might be 88 pounds, quite a load. And, and here, here's what I want to ask you real quick. I want to be real honest. God has called every person in this room to be a giver. Would everybody agree? Yes. We are to be givers and to be generous in Jesus Christ. But let me tell you one other thing. We are to be gracious receivers. Some of you are not very gracious receivers. You know what that's a form of? Pride. Sometimes we have to receive aid, help, support from another. Now, I'm not saying get on a bandwagon and just be a receiver. That's selfishness. There's sin all in that. But I'm saying there's times that we just have to receive. And we need to receive. And there might be needs in this body from time to time. And, and you just need to go, I need to receive help. I need to receive mercy. I need to receive grace. I need to receive some help. Does that help anybody? And, and that's what it is, man. Ruth is just a gracious receiver. I, ho I hope we'll be. I, I just saw that principle. I went, God, this is, you know, and then I, I wrote down, how well do you and I receive? Oh, no, man, I just want to give. I want to have the upper hand. Well, sometimes you might need to receive. Sometimes you just might need to receive. All right. So here's this woman. She's noble character. She's powerful. Verses 11 through 13, you see that Boaz is interested in Ruth. He's going, oh, woman, whoa, like this woman, man. That Moabite madness is driving me wild. You know, I don't know. I got to. All right. Now, verse three or number three. We must trust in God's ultimate deliverance. Ruth trusts in Boaz. But really, she trusts in Jehovah. She trusts God. Boaz is just the instrument. See, we trust, like we might say, hey, I trust in this person. Like, okay, here it is. I trust you as a congregation of Christ's community to meet my financial needs for my family. But let me go one higher. I really trust the God of heaven to meet my needs through you that provide for my family and the staff. And the church said, amen. You're saying, well, pastor, I trust in my job. You got it all messed up. Your job don't do squat. The Lord of heaven is the one that provides. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above. And God just happens to use your employer as an instrument of blessing that then you might be generous and be a giver. Isn't that cool? It just, you know, we just got to get our concept. So we invest. There's a law of the kingdom. You sow, you reap. You reap when you sow. You ain't sowing, you're probably not reaping. I could talk about this illustration all day because it's an eternal law of the kingdom of God, whether you're a believer or not. You sow, you reap. All right? Just think of this. When you went to school, when you sowed good study habits, what happened? 
Somebody, somebody said, I passed. Well, that was a blessing for you. And somebody said, hey, I made an A. I did good. Or if I sowed this into somebody's life, at some time it probably came back around. The Lord's deliverance is not always instant. Fill it in. Ruth knew that. This, this just didn't happen for her. I mean, man, she's, she's out there working in fields. She's got dignity. She's got work ethic. Boaz is attracted to her. I don't know. And everything's going on, but... She's got a mother-in-law at home saying, hey, I'm trying to match you up. What's going on? Hey, what do you do for you? I gave you some barley. Here, here's 88 pounds of, yeah, we're going to eat again. Oh, y'all getting married? I don't know yet. Hey, come back next week. We'll talk about that. But anyway, it's like, okay, Ramsey. I'll talk about her. She's, <laughs> all right, I'll mess her up. I love her. She didn't come instantly. Little Annie, I was looking at Annie over there a minute. Where's Annie at? Hold her up. She over there? She left. Okay. Well, Newt, Newt will do. Newt's over there with his mom. Newt's awesome. He's asleep right now. Annie was like this a minute ago. That's why I was thinking about Annie. But Newt's asleep right now. I have that effect on people. Okay. And um, that was not funny. Okay. And, uh, and Newt took nine months to form in his mom. And then, it, so it wasn't an instant thing. It took a while. And then God formed and knit him together. See what I'm saying? So a lot of times things don't just come instantly. Now, how many of you like instant answers? Ah, oh, I do. How many like instant microwave food? Now, what's really better? Somebody cooks it on the grill, and they put it in a smoker, and they get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to, be, to cut the wood and get the smoke, and it gets into the juices, or run into the kitchen and throw it in the microwave and go, you got three and a half minutes. Cook. What's the best? It's the one that took a while. Some of you are like, I don't know. I always cook everything in the microwave. All right, whatever. All right. All right, so developing. And, and here you... Are you feeling better about this story now? Some of you are like, I don't know how you were going to tackle that today. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't either. Because <laughs> I've done a more in-depth study of Ruth in this study than I ever have in my life. Of course, I've read it, I've studied it, I've talked about it. But I'm just seeing there's, there's this beautiful story of grace. And then, so he pours out in verse 15. Verse 16, let's look at it. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened? I mean, she's like, are you married? Are you getting married? What, what, what happened? i got questions for you. Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. Now, Ruth didn't go out in the public square and share everything. She went to her mother-in-law, her mom, if you will, and she told her. Some of you in here, you're real close to your mom, and, and you tell her a lot of things, maybe private stuff, and that's awesome. If not, I encourage you to strive for that kind of relationship, all you young women. Build, build that. Uh, I'm going to give you a principle here. This might save somebody some heartache. You're going to, you might think it's funny. It's not funny. It's good. The principle is, don't ever do anything you don't want your mother to know. Hello? Don't do things that you don't want your mama to know. Some of you are like, I'm putting my head down. I ain't looking at nobody on the way. Hey, guys, let me tell you. Hey, I'm the, sin, I'm the chief of sinners. Man, I did so much junk and sin. I'm not proud. I'm not going to air it on this stage. If my mama knew it, she'd all whoop me with another switch. But you know what? Here's a principle for you young moms that are raising these little angels, these little girls and these little boys. Don't do stuff you don't want your mama to know. Well, what does that do? That cleanses us up. That gives us purity. And I, I love it. Okay, so Ruth stays close here. And then in verse 17, she tells her this. She goes, uh, he gave me six scoops of barley. He said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. See, you see, Boaz, is a, he's cool, man. He's a gentleman. He said, man, take your mom a gift. Take your mom something. 
You left empty, but you're going back? I'm going to be your kinsman redeemer if we can work all this out, but I, but, but I want to do this. And I love it. These empty days are over. In verse 18, then Naomi says to her, oh, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. That man won't rest until he settled things. You know what it tells me? Boaz really, really loved Ruth. He wanted her to be his wife. And he was, do you think he, well, about three weeks, three months, I'll go over to the elders and we'll talk about maybe Ruth. No, I bet, I bet as soon as it hit daylight, he was down there. Hey, you got this chick down here, man. You want her? Because I do. I mean, man, he got the right man to buy her. And in chapter 4, we, we won't get all there, but you'll see that Boaz is going to marry Ruth next week. Ah, oh, man, thank you, God. It's going to be a good story. Now, I want to give you this rather quickly, and I'm not going to read all the verses. I, I wanted to, but I think it would be help, helpful. Jesus is the better Boaz. Jesus is always the supreme, and Jesus is the best Boaz you and I can have. Now, right, right, I, I, this is where I don't know where you're going to write it down. Write it in your Bible, okay? Write it on the palm of your hand. Just write it. Number one, he became our kinsman by choice. Jesus Christ came our Redeemer by choice. Philippians chapter 2, 6 and 11. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being made or found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And there God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Write down John 10, 18. No one takes it from me. Talking about Jesus. But I lay it down, laying down his own life. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Jesus becomes the sacrifice for me and you. A second thing of Jesus is a better Boaz. Jesus pays the full price of redemption. You know, Ruth is wanting to be redeemed. She's wanting to be bought. What Jesus pays for us. Galatians 2.21. I do not set aside the grace of God for righteousness could be gained through the law. But if, if it could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. We know Christ didn't die for anything. Colossians 2.13 and 14. I'm just trying to get the word into you. I want you to hear how supreme Christ is. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us, and he condemned it, or he, and he condemned us, and he has taken it away, and he nailed it to the cross. And the church said, Christ takes away our sin. He redeems us. He's our kinsman redeemer. The third thing is he restores our inheritance. He restores us to the Father. A fourth point. He frees us from slavery to sin. He sets us free in the Son of God. And then the last one, he gives us a new relationship. And he gives us a new future. He gives us the future of eternal life in heaven with the Father. But he gives us a relationship. So what's the point today? A lot of points have been made. Redeeming hope through community. I hope you leave here today and you'll decide, you know what? I'm not living in isolation anymore. I want to live under the authority of the church and the community. Ruth, hear this, Ruth depended on uh, Boaz. 
But here's what I want to say to you. Are you dependent on Jesus? He is our Redeemer.